Greetings, humans. It is I, Alex Fruity Williams, here with another episode of Wrestling Ozstyle, Fruity's Ultimate Game Show. You can follow us at WrestleOzStyle on Twitter, find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Podbean, all the usual stuff. This is not my <laughs> regular duties to do all the plugs and socials and that, so hopefully I didn't screw that up. And uh, you can follow me at FruityIsAlex on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, we have our other host of the show, Chris Thunderhog. How you doing, Chris? Yeah, pretty good. Bit unusual being this side of the um this side of the mic, but um yeah, if you want to give me a follow on Twitter you can at I am Chris Funder. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this show. Yeah, this is uh this is fun. We got a couple of twists at the end of the show that I've already discussed with you, Chris. Uh we'll get there when we get there. And uh we decided off air that you have the Opportunity to kick us off for the very first card of this Fruity's Ultimate Game Show. Without further ado, do I think we should just get right into it. Chris, you're up, my man. Let's head north up to Junior's Old Territory, brother, and see what the WWF has in store for us. So we go to the WWF. It is Sunday... January 26th, the Royal Rumble from the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in Cleveland, Ohio, in the USA. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I am going to occasionally just bump in and react because, like, full disclosure, I don't know any of this beforehand. We have kept our cards a secret from each other. I may have shown a small select group of people for some potential feedback, and all they said was, yeah, it looks pretty good. I just want to quickly, uh, what an odd location you've picked for the first show of the WWF. Um, what a random arena. Yeah, I suppose it shows that way because most of the arenas I've chosen for upcoming months as well are just random, like, basketball, ice hockey-type-sized arenas. Okay, well, um, I didn't pick an arena name, but I'm going to pick one now. While she run this down. <laughs> Commentary is Lord Alfred Hayes and Captain Lou Albano. Begins with a pre-show segment on Sunday Night Heat. Including a match with Triple H versus the Iron Sheik. Where Iron Sheik works over Triple H's back throughout the match. Before applying the camel clutch in the centre of the ring. And eventually Triple H taps in 10 minutes. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Commentary goes on to state before the pay-per-view quarterfinals in the Gold Rush tournament for the WWF World Tag Team Championship take place tonight, and the Royal Rumble match is to crown the WWF World Heavyweight Champion in the main event, as well as a special announcement later in the show. I'm hooked. I'm I'm watching this pre-show, and I'm screaming at my mum to buy this on pay-per-view. So we go on to the first match on the pay-per-view segment. It is D-Generation X, China and X-Pac versus Harlem Heat, that's Booker T and Stevie Ray, 
in a tag team match quarterfinal in the Gold Rush tournament. It's a strong matchup with the men not holding back against China. There's a blow on tag in from China to X-Pac, then X-Pac runs around the ring, spears Booker T to the floor, and both men are down. A distracted Stevie Ray turns into a pedigree from China for the 1-2-3, and Degeneration X advance in the tournament. I love it, but uh, China and X-Pac sneak through the back door to get the win there. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Match number three, another quarterfinal in the Gold Rush tournament. It is the Bushwhackers, Luke Williams and Butch Miller versus the impromptu team of Jeff Jarrett and Kurt Angle. <laughs> the Eskimo brothers. No, no, no. As they're coming down to the ring, Jeff grabs the mic and says, we are immortal. Oh my God, I love it. I love it. Oh, I kind of just want to give you Hulk Hogan so you can keep building that. <laughs> Jeff has been working over Butcher's leg the entire match, setting up the figure four leg lock. As Jeff locks in the figure four, Butch makes the ropes, but he's in Immortal's corner. Kurt tags in, pushes Luke off the apron, and applies the ankle lock to Butch in the center of the ring, and eventually Butch taps. And Immortal advance in the tournament to face China and X-Pac in the next round. So far, I'd just like to say that your two actual tag teams have lost to two throw-together tag teams, but I think it's really awesome how you're actually adding more depth to your tag team division. It's not something I did, to be honest. <laughs> Match number four. It is the Briscoe brothers Jack and Gerald versus Degeneration X Jesse James and Billy Gunn in the third quarterfinal match in the Gold Rush tournament. Billy Gunn and Jack Briscoe begin brawling on the outside later in the match. Road Dog knocks down Jack Briscoe in the ring, climbs to the top rope, and dives to the outside on both Billy and Gerald. With three men down on the outside, the referee goes to check on all three men. And as Jack Briscoe gets back up, Shawn Michael sprints down the aisle, slides into the ring, and delivers a super kick onto Jack Briscoe, before sprinting backstage. Road Dog gets back up and calls for the referee to come back to the ring, who counts one, two, three. And Degeneration X, Jesse James and Billy Gunn advance in the tournament. Fantastic. The fifth match, it is the final quarterfinal matchup in the tag team Gold Rush tournament. The Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal with Precious Paul Allering in their corner versus the Hart Foundation of Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart. Late in the match, Jim has been caught in no man's land for a long time, cut off from Bret. Animal sets up Jim for Hawk, who's hit with the Doomsday device, and Animal gets the 1-2-3. The Road Warriors advance to the next round where they'll meet Road Dog and Billy Gunn. Awesome. Yeah, this tag team tournament's fantastic. I love the spotlight you're putting on your division here. Prior to the co-main event, a video airs for the next pay-per-view. The St. Valentine's Day Massacre, February 16th from the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, with the tagline, three women, two matches each, one night. Can you survive the deadly games? Oh, I love it. So the commentators go on to explain the event will feature the first ever deadly games for the WWF Women's Championship, where 
Each competitor will have two single matches and the winner will be determined by the first woman to achieve two victories. It will also feature the semi-finals of the Gold Rush Tag Team Tournament for the Tag Team Championships. And then there's an interview with China saying that she's entered into the Deadly Games and no man or woman will stop her from becoming a double champion. We go on to the co-main event, match number six. It's Wendy Richter versus Alundra Blaze versus Jacqueline in a triple threat match for the final entry into the Deadly Games. Late in the match, Wendy has a powerbomb on Alundra who is setting up for the Cowboy Lariat onto Alundra as well. But Jacqueline returns, tosses out Wendy and hits a DDT on a stunned Alundra for the 1-2-3 and next month it'll be China versus Jacqueline versus a mystery woman at St. Valentine's Day Massacre in the Deadly Games for the Women's Championship. Fantastic. Just before the main event, the Royal Rumble match, WWF Commissioner Jim Barnett joins the commentary desk. He also enters the ring holding aloft the WWF World Championship to the crowd before placing it on a podium at ringside. So we begin the 30-man Royal Rumble match for the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. Entrant number one is Triple H, who is limping down to the ring after being in the Sheik's camel clutch earlier tonight. He grabs the microphone and enters the ring, saying it doesn't matter if you're number two or number 30, you're all going to lose the game. Entrant number two is Andre the Giant, and as he enters the ring, he begins to batter around Triple H in the ring. Oh dear, poor Andre having to do Iron Man duties. <laughs> so entrant number three is a freelancer from Mexico. It is El Santo. Very good. Triple H and El Santo begin to cut down Andre in the ring before entrant number four, Mil Mascarez. Mascarez immediately goes after El Santo and eliminates him. Then climbs the top rope and delivers a diving crossbody to El Santo on the outside, eliminating himself in the process. One of the um, one of my favourite stories of Bruce Pritchard's podcast is him talking about how Mil Mascaris eliminated himself from the Royal Rumble in 97 because, and I quote, no job, no job for Mil Mascaris. Mil Muscaras yobs for nobody. Um, yeah, so I, I, I love that little throwback you've done there. Eliminations have occurred. So the first out was El Santo, the freelancer from Mexico, followed by Mil Muscaras, who eliminated himself. Entrant number five is Gerald Briscoe. Triple H and Gerald begin to try to eliminate one another while Andre's down the corner. Entrant number six is Booker T, who races down and tosses the distracted Triple H out of the ring. And third elimination is Triple H from Booker T. Uh, I am shocked. I honestly thought the loss in the pre-show might have been a bit of a swerve and we might have seen Triple H go deep in this. This is, this is good. You've actually got me quite intrigued. Entrant number seven is Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle, Booker T and Gerald Briscoe are all trying to eliminate Andre but he knocks down all three men inside the ring. Entrant number eight is a freelancer from Las Vegas, Nevada. It is the Godfather. Godfather walks to the ring with his ladies, takes about 80 seconds to enter the ring, and as he's inside the ring, 
he's still talking to his ladies as the clock counts down for entrant number nine. The ninth wonder of the world, China. She races down to the ring, picks up the godfather and powerbombs him over the top rope onto his ladies and the godfather is eliminated fourth in the match. And did you say China was entrant number nine? Yes. Very good touch. Nice touch. I love that. China, Kurt Angle, Booker T and Gerald Briscoe all brawl, but Andre gets back up and knocks them all down, being the lone man standing as the clock counts down. To entrant number 10, Mark Henry. The crowd is electric as Henry enters the ring and stares face to face with Andre. But Gerald and Booker begin to attack Andre while Kurt and China begin to attack Mark. So the roll call at number 10. In second is Andre. In fifth is Gerald Briscoe. In sixth is Booker T. In seventh was Kurt Angle. In ninth is China. And in tenth was Mark Henry. Entry number 11 is Dory Funk Jr. Dory goes after and eliminates Gerald Briscoe, topping him, tossing him over the top rope. And Gerald is the fifth eliminated. In twelfth is Jim Neidhart who is immediately eliminated by Kurt Angle at number six. Both Andre and Mark are down, while Booker T faces off with Dory and Kurt stares down with China. Entrant number 13, a freelancer from Union City, Tennessee, it's Coco Beware. Ooh, boy. Coco takes his time to enter, doing the bird dance and placing Frankie on a bird perch by the commentary desk before climbing to the top rope and delivering a number of drop kicks to everyone in the ring. Entry number 14 is Ricky Steamboat. Coco is stunned by Ricky before being tossed over the top rope, and elimination number 7 is the freelancer Coco Beware. Andre, Booker, Kurt, China, Mark, Dory and Ricky continue to brawl as the clock counts down. Entry number 15 is Jushin Funderliger. Liger lands a shote on Ricky, and everyone continues to brawl inside the ring. Entrant number 16 is Jake Roberts. Liger and Ricky quickly team up and eliminate Jake in mere seconds after entering. So elimination number 8 is Jake Roberts. Liger has his back to the action in the ring, and Ricky eliminates him, saying, I'm sorry, but tonight's my night. So elimination number 9 is Jushin Thunder Liger. Both Andre and Mark are down, while... Booker, Kurt, China, Dory, and Ricky continue to brawl. Entrant number 17 is a freelancer from New Zealand. It's Pat O'Connor. He takes his time to enter the ring, but immediately attacks Ricky once entering. Entry number 18 is Butch Miller. Butch waits outside the ring for the next entrant, while everyone continues to brawl inside the ring. Entry number 19 is Luke Williams, the second half of the Bushwhackers. Both Luke and Butch enter the ring and help their fellow Kiwi Pat by attacking Ricky. Together, Pat, Luke and Butch eliminate Ricky by tossing him over the top rope and elimination number 10 is Ricky Steamboat. Pat O'Connor leans over the top rope to badmouth Ricky, but Luke and Butch eliminate Pat while his back is to the action in the ring. And elimination number 10 was the freelancer, Pat O'Connor. Pat and the crowd look stunned as the Bushwhackers have turned on their fellow countrymen but Pat gets the last laugh as they turn around into stereo choke slams from Andre and Mark. Butch and Luke hit the mat on the outside just seconds apart and are eliminated while China eliminates Dory Jr. on the opposite side of the ring. So elimination number 12 was Butch, elimination number 13 is Luke, and elimination number 14 is Dory Jr. 
The two giants begin to argue while leaning on the ropes, and China races across the ring, grabs each by one leg, and eliminates both men just seconds apart. So elimination number 18 is Andre the Giant, elimination number 16 is Mark Henry. Entry number 20 is J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T-T, Jeff Jarrett. Give him the title! Give him the title! Jeff immediately checks on his immortal teammate, Kurt, who's been in since number seven. And Jeff tries to eliminate China as the clock is running down. So the roll call at number 20 is number six, Booker T, number seven, Kurt Angle, number nine, China, and number 20, Jeff Jarrett. Number 21 is Sean Michaels. Sean races down as Jeff tosses China over the top rope to eliminate her. But she's caught in Sean's arms and sat on the ring steps. Sean enters and it's a two-on-two stare down between Jeff and Kurt versus Booker and Sean. Entrant number 22 is Animal. China re-enters the ring as Animal makes his way to the ring and everyone brawls. Entrant number 23 is the Iron Sheik. Sheik enters and immediately goes after Kurt and China has Jeff isolated. Sheik eliminates Angle and China eliminates Jeff on the opposite side of the ring. So elimination number 17 was Kurt Angle. Elimination number 18 was Jeff Jarrett. Jeff reaches out his hand to China saying, You're the better man. But as China shakes his hand, he won't let go, and Sean is isolated now battling Sheik. Booker T delivers a scissor kick to a trap China who goes over the top rope and lands on the floor. Elimination number 19 is China. Jeff and Angle have already walked off to the back laughing. As China looks dejected, she picks herself up and walks to the back as young girls in the audience cheer on. On commentary, Lord Alfred mentions... While China didn't achieve the ultimate success tonight, next month she'll still have an opportunity to capture both the Women's Championship and advance in the Gold Rush Tournament for the World Tag Team Championship with X-Pac. The match continues with Booker, Sean, Animal and Sheik as the clock counts down. Number 24 is Hawk. Hawk runs down and Animal has Sheik in position for the Doomsday Device. They both then toss Sheik over the top rope, so elimination number 20 is Iron Sheik. Entrant number 25 is Jack Briscoe. Jack and Sean stare down before brawling with Animal and Hawk while Booker is down. Entrant number 26 is Bret Hart. All six men are brawling inside the ring. Entrant number 27 is Roddy Piper. And all men continue to brawl inside the ring. Entrant number 28 is Terry Funk. Now all eight men are brawling inside the ring. Booker, Sean, Animal, Hawk, Jack Briscoe, Bret Hart, Roddy Piper and Terry Funk. Entrant number 29 is Antonio Inoki. Both Animal and Hawk double team Jack and eliminate him over the top rope. Elimination number 21 was Jack Briscoe. Then with both Animal and Hawk looking lost without Paul Allering ringside, Sean and Brett take advantage and toss Animal and Hawk over the top rope. So elimination number 22, Animal. Elimination number 23, Hawk. It's down to Booker, Sean, Brett, Piper, Terry Funk and Antonio Noki as the clock runs down for the final entrant. Entrant number 30. Freelancer from Santa Fe, New Mexico, the USA. It's Bruiser Brody. 
I love that. I love that. Yeah, the one the one guy when I was looking back and I'm just like, oh, I should have picked him. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking the exact same thing, to be honest. So entrant number 30 is Bruiser Brody. Piper has his back turned and doesn't see Brody enter just behind him. Brody grabs Piper, runs across the ring and tosses him over the top rope. Elimination number 24 is Roddy Piper. Roll call at number 30 is number 6, Booker T. Number 21, Shawn Michaels. Number 26, Bret Hart. Number 28, Terry Funk. Number 29, Antonio Inoki. And number 30, Bruiser Brody. Brody and Inoki lock eyes across the ring. And Inoki goes under the middle rope and up the far turn buckle. And hits a diving knee drop to Brody as he runs across the ring. Brody then staggers up rather groggy by the ropes, and Inoki hits his dropkick to eliminate Brody. Elimination number 25, Bruiser Brody, the freelancer. Roll call at the final five is number 6, Booker T, number 21, Shawn Michaels, number 26, Bret Hart, number 28, Terry Funk, number 29, Antonio Inoki. Shawn picks up Bret and goes to toss him over the top rope. Bret holds on only one foot touching the floor, and he goes to skin the cat to get back inside the ring. But Sean races back across to try to block his re-entry. But Brett manages to apply a head scissors and pulls Sean over the top rope. And Brett eliminates Sean. So elimination number 26 is Sean Michaels. And we're down to the final four. That's number 6, Booker T. Number 26, Brett Hart. Number 28, Terry Funk. And number 29, Antonio Noki. On commentary, Captain Lou mentions twice before a winner has come from number 28 or 29. Well, no one has ever won from number 6 or 26. Ooh. Terry tries to eliminate Brett, but can't quite manage to get him over the top rope. While Booker hits Inoki with a scissors kick in the center of the ring before a missile drop kick to Inoki sends him over the top rope to the outside. So elimination number 27, Antonio Inoki, and we're down to the final three. Booker T, Bret Hart, and Terry Funk. While all three men catch their breath in separate corners... A picture-in-picture is shown of their tag team partners watching on in separate locker rooms from backstage. That's Stevie Ray, Jim Neidhart, and Dory Funk Jr. There's then a three-way test of strength with Terry Funk losing and rolling to the ropes. Booker T hits a bookend in the center of the ring, picks up Brett to throw him over the top rope but can't quite force Brett over on his own, and Terry Funk returns to help toss Brett over the top rope. So elimination number 28 is Bret Hart, and it's down to the final two. Number six, Booker T, and number 28, Terry Funk. I am I, I'm mind blown right now. I thought there was no way Bret wasn't going to be champ. Uh, I, am sh- I am shaken to my core. This is, this is really good. There's a stare down while both men catch their breath in separate corners again while the picture-in-picture is shown of their tag team partners eagerly watching on backstage. On commentary, Lord Alfred mentions, while each man has been national champion in their former promotions, neither man has been able to catch the pinnacle of our sport that is the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. Lou mentions Terry Funk entered at number 28 while Booker T entered all the way back at number 6 nearly 50 minutes ago. Collar and elbow tie-up. Terry knocks down Booker, lands the moonsault, and goes for the spinning toe hold. But Booker escapes, sending Terry into the ropes. And as he bounces off, Booker lands a missile drop kick 
and Terry goes over the top rope with both feet hitting the floor and is eliminated 29th, meaning your winner is Booker T. I can't believe it. I'm honestly just... I would not have picked that. That's fantastic. Lord Alfred mentions the winner of the Royal Rumble and new WWF World Heavyweight Champion Booker T, which echoes out around the arena. On commentary, Captain Lou mentions that two people had five eliminations tonight. The winner, Booker T, and the person he eliminated, China. Both Stevie Ray and Dory Funk run out from the back to tend to their teammates. There's a sign of respect between Terry Funk and Booker T before Dory helps Terry backstage and Stevie Ray congratulates Booker T. WWF Commissioner Jim Barnett collects the championship and enters the ring to present to Booker T. There's a handshake between the men, but Stevie insists on being the one to place the title on his brother. And as he does, a fireworks display goes off on the stage while gold confetti rains down in the ring and we go off the air. Whoa! Yeah, um, you swerved me so hard. Um, going into this, I thought it's going to be Brad or Sean that comes out champ. And it came down to Terry Funk and Booker T. That's awesome. That was just really surprising. Yeah, so what do you think? Pretty good? Pretty good show? I would watch it. I would definitely... I wouldn't just watch it. I would pay to watch it. And I think that's the main goal of it all, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I've got a few few little things already set in place for next month. Yeah, definitely. And that's sort of the goal of it all. And just keep things going. Now I'm desperately hoping that um, you that Booker T gets an injured disadvantage when we do our draw at the end of this. But, um, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, well, I was saying to you off air, I, I was just, there was so many possibilities with a Royal Rumble and it was just trying to find a combination that I felt worked for everything that was going on there. And so if you go back and look like... um. Jeff Jarrett eliminates China and Jeff Jarrett and China face off in the next round of the tag team tournament next um, month. Yeah, definitely. Triple H, who's been injured at the start of the match, who ends up like getting battered by Andre at the start of the match as well, so he's not 100% Triple H. There's there's a few little tidbits here and there throughout the um throughout the match as well as what I've got coming up. Yeah, and at first I thought you might have been sort of burying the proper tag teams in your tag tournament only for a member of the quote-unquote proper tag team that lost earlier on in the night to win the title. Yeah, and it sort of all came down to guys in tag teams, which is awesome. Yeah, showing a bit of a, a different showcase, I guess. And Yeah, well, this is definitely Chris Hogg's WWF, not Vince McMahon's. I don't think... Vinnie Mac would be happy putting tag team guys in the title to be in the title picture, but yeah, I love that. And like, I think the only looking back on my tag team results, there was interference in both of the DX matches, while the Road Warriors and the um 
and Immortals sort of worked over their opponents to the point where they submitted. Mm. So yeah, going off the air, at the moment I only have one champion crowned, which is Booker T, whilst the women's champion will be crowned next month and the tag champions will be crowned at a later date. Yeah, I'm hoping that the tag title tournaments that ends at Mania will get dragged out to then. That'll be a good spotlight for it, but... Backlash. <laughs> greatest tag t- tournament ever. Yeah. That that can be the tagline of Backlash that year. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose from there, we move down south to see what WCW's offered. Yes, I will just say, my show's nowhere near as unpredictable as yours is, Mon. After listening to yours, I'm like, I didn't swerve enough, bro. <laughs> um, Listen, bro. Yeah. This is the foundation of our federations, so to speak. Yeah, let's head down south. This is WCW Super Brawl, the quest for the gold. Gorilla, Monsoon, and Jesse the Body Ventura welcome everyone to the first WCW pay-per-view, WCW Super Brawl, The Quest for the Gold, live from the Omni Coliseum in Atlanta, Georgia. Ooh, good choice. Yeah, well, I figured I might pick the place where they did the first ever Starcade and sort of a home field for WCW back in the day. Not just some random <laughs> arena. Yeah. I was going to go like completely random and I don't know, pick the Donut King Center or something weird like that. I might keep it a bit traditional for a minute. It's it's Southern wrestling that I'm doing. Where we, we keep it traditional down south here in WCW. But... The announcers throw to Mean Gene Oakland, who is standing in the entranceway to run down the night's card before plugging his hotline at 1-900-909-9900. The WCW hotline. Was that the actual number at the time? Yes, it is. Like, I couldn't have Mean Gene in WCW without doing his hotline, right? True. Mean Gene welcomes his guest, J.J. Dillon, who is a representative of the WCW Championship Committee. And he announces that tonight there will be an eight-man tournament for the first ever WCW World Heavyweight Champion, a fatal four-way for the tag titles, and a women's division spotlight tag team match. And to kick off WCW's, I guess, first pay-per-view, we have a classic and is an opening round match in the tournament. It is the Surfer Sting versus Ric Flair. Oh, wow. It's also an opening round match. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember you saying on the last pay-per-view you were going to go old hat to steal your phrase and go Sting and... Flair, but wow, that's that's a really good twist there. These guys put on, I don't know, let's just say a 20-minute sort of back-and-forth slog, and the finish of the match is Sting goes for a Stinger splash, but Ric Flair pulls the ref into the corner, ref goes down, Flair low-blows Sting, gets a chair, hits Sting over the head, 
and quickly gets rid of the chair, locks in the figure four, and Sting is completely out. He is passed out. Ref finally gets up, and Sting's shoulders are down, and the ref counts to three, and Ric Flair moves on in the tournament. Wow. I, I figured, yeah, let's yeah, let's open up this WCW with probably the two guys that are sort of the embodiment of WCW. We move on, and we have Mean Gene standing backstage saying that he just heard word from the championship committee that next month will be the Great American Bash. And over the next four weeks over Nitro, there will be a tournament for the vacant United States Championship and the final will take place in the main event at the Great American Bash next month. Oh, wow. So you've already got a a world tournament and a US tournament. Yes. And this world title tournament is a one-night tournament. This ends at the end of Super Brawl. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, we're throwing it at the wall, but there's going to be a bit of a... Well, we'll get there. (laughs) And the next match of this pay-per-view is another opening round tournament match between Ravishing Rick Rude and his opponent, Stone Cold Steve Austin. These guys go back and forth for, say, I don't know, 15 minutes. At some point, Austin hits an atomic drop and Rick Rude sells it in a very gifable fashion. Follow at Rick Rude sells on Twitter. You won't be disappointed. <laughs> Rude goes for the Rude Awakening, but Austin reverses it, hits the stunner for the clean pinfall victory. And Stone Cold Steve Austin moves on in the tournament. That that's yeah, intriguing. <laughs> I should probably say that Blair and Austin are on opposite sides of the brackets here. And how many uh men was it, sorry? It's an eight man tournament. So one more match and then the finals. Ooh. The whole intrigue of this tournament is you don't know who's in the tournament. That's the whole mystery here. But next we have a t- Tag title, fatal four-way for the vacant WCW Tag Team Championships. We have the team of Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard, the Brain Busters, versus Michael Hayes and Jimmy Jam Garvin of the Fabulous Freebirds, versus the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, and Bubba and Dave on the Dudley Boys. Ooh, I didn't expect them to be your last entrant. Yeah, so um, this is a crazy, chaotic match with a lot of bodies involved. At some point, the Freebirds get chased out of the match by the debuting Von Eriks, Kerry and Kevin, who jump the barricade and brawl with the Freebirds all the way to the back. Commentary makes note of their legendary rivalry. Devon sets up a table on the outside with Robert Gibson on top of it. Bubba has Ricky Morton on the second rope facing towards the outside. Hits a massive powerbomb through Robert Gibson, through the table, as Devon watches from inside the ring. Bubba quickly gets thrown over the barricade on the outside by Tully, and Devon turns around into a spine buster by Arn. 
and Tully gets back in the ring. They hit their signature spark pile driver on Davon for the win, and the Brain Busters on Anderson and Tully Blanchard win the tag titles. A vignette plays. It shows an empty boiler room. Lights go out and quickly come back on to reveal a leather mask sitting on the floor. A dark silhouette with his back towards the camera walks towards the mask, picks it up, puts it on his head, screams with his back towards the camera, have a nice day, as the lights quickly flick off and on again to reveal that the boiler room is empty again. So there's your, there's your little vignette teaser thing there. Pretty pretty obvious what's happening there. Oh, I can't wait to see that. Now let's get into my Russo influence stuff here. <laughs> let's get a little crazy here, lads. Uh, backstage, Tully and Arn are celebrating their title win. They pour champagne over themselves and Mean Gene, who tries to get a word with them. But they ignore him and start knocking over a lot of people backstage, celebrating arrogantly. And they almost bump into Eddie Guerrero, who gets out of the way, but accidentally bumps into Kevin Nash, who calls him a vanilla midget and attacks him and power bombs him through a table backstage. <laughs> Camera pans out and you see Arn and Tully with their titles walk into a locker room. Camera zooms in to reveal the name on the door, Ric Flair. Whoa. Like I said, it's it's half predictable, but I bet you didn't see the Kevin Nash Eddie Guerrero feud coming. <laughs> <laughs> no. Tournament match opening round. Razor Ramon comes out to face his opponent, Mister Perfect. Winner of this match will take on Steve Austin in the semi-finals. Uh, 15-minute even back-and-forth match until Bobby Heenan's surprises shows up at ringside, distracts Razor, who turns around into a perfect plex. Perfect celebrates with Bobby Heenan. We had backstage Mean Gene's earning his money tonight, by God. Mean Gene is standing by with Kevin Nash. Mean Gene calls out Kevin Nash for overreacting to Eddie Guerrero. Kevin Nash says he is sick of the young, smaller guys in wrestling feeling entitled. Says that there's no place in wrestling for anyone under six foot, and people like Eddie are a disgrace to the business. A dejected Razor Ramon walks past Nash, and they share a quick look. I may have even completely blurted out that I was going to do this on our draft episode. If it ain't broke, why fix it? Yeah, exactly. So uh, we got Kevin Nash sort of being the bully he is to the smaller guys in wrestling. Sort of taking real life and chucking it on screen here. Final opening round match of the tournament. It is... Macho Man Randy Savage versus the Ultimate Warrior. Ooh, yeah. This is uh, two guys from one of my favorite WrestleMania matches of all time at WrestleMania 7. Probably uh, Ultimate Warrior's only, like, really good match. But, yeah. Uh, is it 6, the Ultimate Challenge? Yeah, against Hogan. That's, like, a close sec. More storyline. 
Oh, it's it's just as good. Um, there's just like emotion in the Macho Man Warrior match that I like a lot more. Um, yeah, there's like a point where Ultimate Warrior is gonna just walk out and leave, and it's a retirement match. So Ultimate Warrior couldn't pin Macho with his finish, so he just goes to walk out and leave. But then he gets a message from the gods above. Oh, it's so strange and amazing. Back to WCW. Yes, yes. Uh, Macho Man Randy Savage versus the Ultimate Warrior. Huge face reaction for both guys. Both guys lock up. But just as they lock up, Arn and Tully run in with steel chairs and lay out both men, causing a double disqualification. Arn and Tully hit spike pile drivers on both men on top of steel chairs. Both men get stretched out of the ring. Boo. <laughs> Russo, Russo, Russo. Uh, backstage, Main Jane announces the semi-final matches for the tournament. It will be Mr. Perfect versus Stone Cold. And due to both Warrior and Savage being taken away in an ambulance, Ric Flair will have a bye and face the winner of Austin versus Perfect in the final for the WCW world title. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> it's such classic heel booking. <laughs> hey, man. Part of me was like, I'm going like full, like, this is a heel promotion. This is what we would do. All right, next is a women's division spotlight tag team match to put a bit of spotlight on the gals because it's not just about the big boys in WCW. We have a tag team match of Gail Kim and Trish Stratus versus Beth Phoenix and Sherry Martell. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's not the pairing I expected on paper. No, no, I, I literally changed this, like... A few hours ago. The original plan was Trish and Lita, but then I thought about something else and I got got an idea. Fair enough. Sherry and Beth Phoenix display great teamwork, whilst Gail Kim and Trish Stratus appear to have communication issues. Eventually, Beth Phoenix lays out Trish Stratus outside of the ring and Sherry Martell cheats by throwing salt in the eyes of Gail Kim and hits a DDT for the three count. After the match, Gail Kim gets frustrated with Trish asking where she was. Gail Kim storms off. And we go backstage again. Mean Gene Oakland welcomes his guest, JJ Dillon, the representative of the WCW Championship Committee. JJ announces that the final of the tournament will begin immediately after the Austin versus Perfect match. Mean Gene then notices a dejected Lita backstage, asks her to come in, and she proceeds to yell at JJ for not putting her in the women's division spotlight match. JJ gets frustrated, says he doesn't have time for this, he's got very important business to attend to. Lita starts to vent her frustrations to Mean Gene, but a random guy has a delivery of flowers and chocolates for Lita and a card that reads, you don't need to share a spotlight with anyone. You deserve your own. Lust and love, your superstar. XOXO. So, uh... Ooh. 
pretty obvious who that is, but yeah, we'll get there. Main Jean looks confused and awkward and throws back to the ring. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Mr. Perfect. Put it on the clinic here. 20 minutes back and forth match. Bobby Heenan tries to get involved from the apron, but Austin hits him and he takes a bump it to the outside. Austin hits a stunner on Perfect for the clean three count and Stone Cold advances to the final. So we're going to have Ric Flair versus Steve Austin immediately after this match for the WCW world title. After the match, though, Austin gets attacked by Barry Windham, (laughs) (laughs) who has J.J. Dillon by his side shouting instructions. Barry takes Austin's leg to the ring post and repeatedly hits Austin's leg against the ring post. Austin struggling to stand up as Ric Flair's music hits for the main event. Austin versus Flair for the WCW Championship. Austin's heavily limping. And quick, quickly, Flair chop blocks Austin to the back of the knee and then applies the figure four. After a minute or two, Austin's just passed out. Your WCW champion, Ric Flair. Boo. <laughs> JJ Dillon comes into the ring. We ain't over, folks. JJ presents the big gold belt to Flair and they exchange the forehand gesture as Barry Windham, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard run down to the ring and start attacking Austin. Then together, all five men do the forehand gesture. Mean Gene comes into the ring. He's earning his money. Ric Flair talks about how the horsemen ride together again. Whilst Arn, Tully, and Barry continue assaulting Austin. Arn and Tully set up for a spark pile driver onto a steel chair and also to Austin's surgically repaired neck. Ric Flair says he is the biggest star in the history of wrestling and we're about to witness the end of Steve Austin and that will remove any doubt that there is no bigger name in professional wrestling than Ric Flair. Just as Arn and Tully are about to hit the spike pile driver, music plays. Out comes Hulk Hogan! Yay! Arn, Barry, and Tully leave Austin in the ring and run towards Hogan on the rampway. Hogan, with his sloppy punches, lays out Barry. (laughs) Then another weak punch to Tully. Then finally, he lays out Arn as Hogan enters the ring. Hogan goes face-to-face with Flair. Hogan points to the title. Hogan and Flair are about to go at it, but J.J. Dillon gets in between the two and they retreat with the other horsemen. The horsemen pose on the ramp and leave. Hogan then helps Austin to his feet. Hogan then poses to, to his music and keeps motioning for Austin to pose with him. But Austin refuses and calls for a beer leaves the ring, raising his beard towards Hogan out of appreciation whilst Hogan poses to end the show. Wow. That, that's a really good card. I didn't use all of my tag teams. Um, I'm, saving a, I'm saving a couple of guys for other things. Um, didn't want to use Hogan on the first show, to be honest. Just sort of wanted to get him to come out as sort of a surprise, even though we all know I've drafted him pretty early 
Yeah. But for the live audience, so to speak, uh, use him as a big cheap pop at the end of the show. Um, we've got the horsemen set up in many directions with Austin, with Macho, with Warrior, with Hogan. And, um, yeah, we've got the main event sort of picture sort of all figured out by the end of it. Yeah, I, I really... Jeez, I would buy that. <laughs> yeah, so um, sort of relying on a lot of old heel cliches there. Um, not many babyface victories on the show. If you look at the grand scheme of things, like in the end, the heel came out uh, world champ. The heel women won in the tag matches in the tag match. Uh, the heel tag team won the tag titles. Uh, you still got your happy ending at the very end with Hogan doing his Hogan must pose nonsense with Austin giving him a beer can salute. Hogan must pose, brother. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and uh, we're also set up that uh, the main event of the next show will be for the vacant US title, which will be set up over Nitro's leading up to this, which I will have like really quick notes on i'm not going to be writing entire tv shows i'm just going to say like oh this tournament match happened here this tournament match happened there so yeah i suppose just quickly on the wwf front yeah so next month i've got the saint valentine's day massacre which will feature the semi-finals in the gold rush tournament for the wwf world tag team championship plus the first ever deadly games to crown the wwf women's champion and we've also already crowned our world champion in booker t so what's wcw going to have next month yeah next month we're gonna have the great american bash um card tba but the main event will be for the u.s title um a lot of names that weren't featured in the world title tournament will probably be in the US title tournament and maybe a few crossovers as well. Um, yeah, uh, besides that, I haven't thought too much into the next card, but yeah, I know that I want to end the show uh, crowning a new US champion and I have a rough idea of who it will be and it's my booking sort of leans itself to sort of easily figure that one out, but I might not go there yet. Who knows? So at the moment you have your your world champ is uh, Ric Flair, is it? Yep. And your tag team champs are the Horsemen. Yeah, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. <laughs> so then you're going to crown a US champion. You don't have any other titles announced yet. No, no, uh, the the women's championship is on its way, but that will be for a separate, for another pay-per-view down the road. So um, I sort of chucked the, I wanted to have each of my pay-per-views main evented by, by crowning a new champion, but I sort of just threw the tag titles in there because I sort of want to build up feuds around that belt immediately so i just sort of quickly just sort of crowned a champ to be honest unlike you that's why i haven't straight in 
Yeah, because I could have gone and like done like six <laughs> new champions on this show plus a Rumble match, and it's just like, yeah, that'd be overkill. <laughs> I plan on next month, US title, main events the show, and then the month after that, I plan on having the women's title main event a WCW show, which is just outrageous, but I've got a plan for it. So I guess from there, we have to go on to the little draw that you're going to have. Listeners, can you hear that? That is the sound of my roster flipping back and forth in a plastic container. And that's that's the sound of Chris's roster rocking back and forth in a container. So what we're going to do here is I've counted tag teams as one sort of thing by Vince McMahon rule. If one member of a tag team gets injured, that means both are basically injured. So we're going to pull out one person from each roster to see who's going to miss out on next month's show. So uh, who would you... Actually, you you got to read your thing out first, so I'll pick my WCW injury out first. My eyes are closed. Oh, no. <laughs> that couldn't have worked out any better for me considering I have not debuted them on television yet. Uh, missing out on next month's pay-per-view is the Wild Samoans. <laughs> Scored. Um... I suppose, yeah, that that's lucky. You don't have any major plans there for them yet. I, I did actually have something I wanted to do with them, uh, building them up through Nitro into the next pay-per-view, but... I can easily just hold that off for a month considering I haven't debuted him yet. All right, let's give Hoggy a good old shake here. Come on, Hullam Heat. <laughs> yeah, there's one or two I sort of sent the next show around, so I would have to go back and rewrite the entire show. <laughs> Eyes are closed once again. I'm taking out one. Is that one? That is one. <laughs> So, a uh, pretty similar situation as to me. Oh. But I have a feeling this might have played into a particular match at, say, Valentine's Day Massacre. Uh, the Bella Twins are unavailable for next month's pay-per-view. Okay. Well. <laughs> hey, man, this is, the, this is the unpredictability of... Managing wrestlers, man. You never know when an injury is going to happen. But I have another plastic container. And it has various free agents on here. Come on, Bruiser Brody. (laughs) (laughs) I almost put Bruiser Brody in here as a tag team with Stan Hansen. Ooh. Which means you put him in on his own. (laughs) But But I didn't. Uh, I thought that would have been too big of a steal. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> All right. Who wants to go first? 
Paper, scissors, rock. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, one more time. <laughs> we keep going scissors. All right. <laughs> you go first. You're WCW. You change your team first. All right. And the newest signing to the WCW roster is... I can't even see it yet. Um... Oh, God! <laughs> Rikishi! <laughs> All right, I better chuck that in my little tub of things. Uh, I guess I I was thinking last night about running Stone Cold Steve Austin over, so... Uh... <laughs> So I could do that. Uh, <laughs> he did it for the Rick. Yeah. <laughs> Rights itself, man. It's just obvious booking, you know? All right. The newest addition to the WWF roster is... Uh-oh. Woo! Ooh. Bruno Sammartino. So uh, that's a... That's an interesting pick there. That's tough to book, I would say um if he wasn't tough to book he probably would have got picked in the draft but um yeah so i did have a few women in here i was hoping you would get one just to make up for the fact that yeah women's title match kind of got got absolutely rooted i would assume um turns out all of them were bella twins because you're angry i drafted both in one pick still <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I can assure you there is a China in here. Oh, that would have worked out well. She's in like two matches at the next pay-per-view. The Funks are in here. Yeah, I can assure you I did not rig this. <laughs> but I, I um After all that goodwill and I gave you Gal Kim. <laughs> exactly. I am willing to I'm more than willing to let you bring in a free agent for the title match. <laughs> They're just going to lose. No, no, i got a way around this. I can... Yeah, I've already figured out a way around this. And just to prove that there wasn't just duds in the free agent bin, uh, I will randomly pull out some more names. Whilst Alex does that, WCW has Rikishi and WWF has Bruno San Martino. What am I going to do with... <sighs> I'm not happy. I already know. I'll tell you off air. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Uh, I, does it have anything to do with my injured competitors? Maybe. I just pulled out the thing that I really wanted. This is one of my oh. two packs that I put in there. One of the little surprises: Yokozuna with Mister Fuji. That is still available to grab. There's also um, Sasha Slaughter. Tori Wilson's in there for you, mate. Uh, Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, there's some gems in there. I um, Between you and I, there is the APA in there. Oh, yeah, because they're both. I did a little cheeky thing with that. Yep. And um, there is uh, the Dream Team, former WWF Tag Team Champions from the mid-'80s, Brutus Beefcake and Greg the Hammer Valentine, which isn't which isn't exactly the AP. Oh, I could get that. I can have Sean put put Beefcake through the barbershop window, <laughs> and then he'll be out injured, 
And then he could come back as Zodiac. Yes, yes, yes. No, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, no. Yes, yes. no. Yes, yes, no, no. <laughs> this was really fun. If I if I got Beefcake, I'm splitting up him and Valentine and I'm putting him with Hollywood Hogan as the disciple, so... Uh... Oh, man. Now I'm just trying to figure out on the floor <laughs> what to do. I'm just going <laughs> to... Oh, man. Okay. So as you can see at the Williams household, Ric Flair's already celebrating with his big gold. Uh, congratulations, Rick. <laughs> uh, full disclosure for the podcast, I just shown uh, Chris a wrestling figure of Ric Flair holding the title that I prepared earlier. <laughs> I was thinking about doing figure photography of my... um. Of my <laughs> fantasy fed and just like have show photos of like Stone Cold and Ric Flair wrestling and stuff like that, but I can't be asked. Well, speaking of figures, I could always make X Pac world champ. Honestly, Shock T wasn't in the mix there at the end. Uh, I, I thought for sure X Pac was going to get a big push in your fed, and he still could. He still very much so could. Full disclosure, he was going to be number 30. <laughs> I'm going. No, Alex would have drafted Brody. I'm going back through. No, okay. Brody can be in for one night. <laughs> yeah, so um, my last pick was Ultimate Warrior. It was meant to be Brody, but on the fly I picked Warrior. We could have easily gone through and picked like another 10 competitors. <laughs> oh, well. But yeah, I'm like, oh, half. I think in the Rumble, I think there was three people I didn't end up using in that Rumble. So I've already used most me, most me roster. Yeah, um, I've still got. I still haven't used certain people. I'm not going to mention them because there's reasons why I haven't used them. Um, yeah, I did have big plans for the Wild Samoans over the next few shows, but um, it's pretty easy to just put that on hold for a month. So how long are they injured for? One month. Yes, and. Um, so this was just a nice, friendly introduction into the twists that I have in store. Next month, there will be introductions of uh, wellness violation suspensions. Uh, there will be contract disputes, stuff like that. Uh, there will be months, randomly assigned months to injuries and all that sort of stuff. Uh, if someone has a wellness violation, they get their first strike, 30 days, so they miss one pay-per-view. They get another one randomly, which would be really hard to do. Uh, they get they have to miss two pay-per-views, and if they get a third, they get fired, and they become a free agent. Uh, there will be other twists. Um also, I think we will pick another free agent next month as well. Um, but there will be a bit more of a twist to that. Um, you'll have to luckily draw a free agent card out of a, one of my signature Chinese takeaway containers that I have used here. 
<laughs> oh man, yeah. Now I've got to. <laughs> so that's that's why I do that. Do this after we've read our shows because it throws a spanner in the works. But like, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I'm not going to do that to you. Like, just before you read out your show that or whatever. Like, even though we both didn't use the people that got injured on this month's show, um, we sort of got pulled away pretty lucky for that. Like, imagine if it was like. Speak for yourself. <laughs> hey, like, at least they weren't advertised to be on your show. Okay. Uh, okay. okay. I can still get around this. <laughs> I've just got to rip off a little bit. The biggest problem is that that, that women's match you had on your pay-per-view sort of disqualified two women out of the running for the title and you got to sort of maybe have to rectify that yeah oh yeah i'll have a look at that in a minute once we finish recording yeah i don't have your full roster list on me right now but um yeah i'm not too sure what women you have but yeah i think you can get around it um at least a at least, yeah, you didn't lose... A ch- losing a China for a month would be a lot worse. Like, she's in the tournament, she's in the women's tournament. Uh, losing a Sean or a Brett or a Booker would be pretty bad. Like, I would be screwed if I lost any of the horsemen for a month. Because that's my whole deal. Yeah, so I sort of... With my card... I've sort of written a draft for my end of year, year like big show already. I'm sort of built booking backwards. I sort of have a draft written out for Starcade already. I know where I want all the storylines to finish by um, episode 12 or whatever. And yeah, I sort of started writing backwards and. Yeah, so I already know where this all ends up, at least. Hopefully I don't draw any cards that screw that up. Fair enough. Well, I guess we'll wait and see. Um, anything else, then, for the humans? Oh, my God, we're still recording again. I just did one of my classic things where I trail off, forget we're recording, thought the show was already over. Um, <laughs> no, nah, um, this was very fun. Uh it's good to get the creative juices flowing again, uh, just writing this sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this. Uh, I'm probably going to work on my next show like as soon as we get off there, just so hyped up about it. Um, yeah, I hope you humans are enjoying this. Uh, holler at me, tell me what I did right, what I did wrong. Um yeah, tell me I, I'm booking the most predictable heel promotion ever. That's fine. Tell Alex that my promotion's much better. <laughs> yeah, you can do that. Um, yeah, I'm, oh, I'm so... I'm still annoyed that Booker T's your world champion and the only reason why you drafted him is because I compl- 
I completely had my finger over the top of Harlem Heat on my draft list as you read them out. And I was like, oh, no, I was meant to pick them the last pick. Oh, <laughs> oh well, never know. You might get that trade where he goes over to Nitro and drops our belt in the bin. Nah, I, I want Stevie Ray. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to get Stevie Ray. I'm going to make Stevie Ray my world champ. He's going to beat Hulk Hogan in a minute. Ooh. That I'd like to see. Yeah. Anyway, humans, um, do you have any final words, Christopher? Be good to each other, I guess. <laughs> wear a mask. Uh, yeah, wear a mask. Um, remember for many years that Kane was wrestling without a mask on. Everyone was saying, Kane needs to put the mask back on, save the business. Bring back the Attitude Era. Wear a mask. So, yeah, everyone in your day-to-day lives, bring back your own personal Attitude Era by wearing the masks. But, yes, save the business, wear a mask. Um, Yeah, I have nothing else to say, so goodbye now. (laughs) 